Greetings, I'm Josh Lowe, and this is NBA Retrospective. In our last episode, we cut off after we talked about the four factors and the NBA champion 1997-98 Chicago Bulls, and I had teased the notion that we were going to talk about the Spurs and the Nuggets in our next episode. Spurs, due to the historical overachievement, and Nuggets due to the historical underachievement. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the Spurs right now. And the Spurs certainly overachieved. They recall that they exceeded the ELO projection by over 13 wins. And this season was Tim Duncan's rookie year. And so that could be considered the beginning of the Tim Duncan-David Robinson era for San Antonio. Remember that they would win the NBA championship the following year in 1999. And I've got win projections for both ELO and the four factors for the Spurs. Uh, ELO projected wins 42.699. That's a very strong underestimate, okay? Um, Recall, again, that the actual wins for the Spurs were 56. They won 56 games that season. With four factors, though, gets to the Spurs a little bit better, okay? Um, four factors predicted wins was 55.746. So that actually comes very close. It only underestimates by about 0.254 wins. So that's interesting. Um, getting into the specifics for the Spurs on the four factors. And I wanted to make the additional point here that um, there's more than one. When it comes to winning in basketball, Dean Oliver was the first to put this forth. He was the creator of the four factors model. And that is that there is more than one way to win in the NBA. If you are deficient in one four factors metric, let's say it's weak rebounding, for example. And I'm going to get into what that is with the Spurs in a second here. But you can, if you're deficient in one metric, you can make up for it by being elite in other metrics. And we talked about the Bulls last episode as a team that did that effectively. Spurs are also a team that did that very effectively, okay? Um, It's a bit different distribution. The case of the Spurs, Spurs rank well above average in effective field goal percentage, which was .493, or 49.3%, ranks ninth highest in the NBA, around the third quartile. And again, you you, you can see a contrast here. Turnover percentage was fourth highest in the NBA at .133. That's far below average. And remember, when we're talking about turnovers, you don't want high. It's not good, okay? Offensive rebound percentage, 18th in the NBA, .306. That's below average. Also, slightly below average in free throw to field goal rate, 0.241, 17th in the league. Now, Spurs rank actually best in the NBA with the lowest opposing effective field goal percentage. And remember, when we're talking about opposing effective field goal percentage, we're talking about your opponent's shooting. So you want to be low there, all right? And this is by a large margin, relatively speaking, 0.437 to 0.452 for the second best team. 
keeping in mind that for this factor, all of our values fall between 0.43 and 0.51, 43 and 51%. So if we consider that limited range, that's a very dominating performance in terms of opposing effective field goal percentage. And that points to elite defense being played by the Spurs. Now, they do rank lowest or worst in the league in opposing turnover percentage, 0.122, meaning that opponents are taking very good care of the basketball against them. But from what it sounds like here, when that happens, they're not doing anything with it because they, with the Spurs being best in the NBA, lowest opposing effective field goal percentage by a large margin, um, yeah, that means maybe the opponents can hang on to the ball, but they're not making a whole lot of shots with it. So Spurs ranked second highest in the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage. That was .722. And again, that's guys like Duncan and Robinson. And the Spurs ranked fifth lowest, and that's fifth best in the NBA in opposing free throw to field goal rate, .218. Again, uh, you don't want your opponents making free throws and get you don't want your opponents getting to the line. And so the Spurs substantially exceeded expectations despite poor ball security and poor steal capacity. And so the Spurs overperformed largely on the strength of shooting and shot prevention metrics. That's effective field goal percentage and opposing effective field goal percentage, particularly the latter, okay? They have the runaway number one lowest opposing effective field goal percentage at .437. Essentially, again, maybe you're not stopping the other team from holding on to the ball, but you are stopping them from making shots and making good shots, making threes. And the Spurs' overperformance relative to the ELO simulated win total likely relates to high performance in our four factors models, highest weighted category shooting. And again, shooting is effective field goal percentage and opposing effective field goal percentage combined. And Spurs excelled at both of those metrics. Number nine in effective field goal percentage, and we've talked about already ad nauseum, dominating number one in opposing effective field goal percentage. And the Spurs greatly overachieved despite finishing well below average in our second highest rated metric, which was turnover percentage and opposing turnover percentage. And in addition to the shooting factors, the Spurs also likely helped themselves with strong defensive rebounding, finished second in the league at .722. Now, getting to the Nuggets. And again, Nuggets fans, I apologize, but when we analyze a season, we got to look at the good teams and we got to look at the bad teams. Otherwise, it feels incomplete. It's unsatisfying. And so the Nuggets underachieved in terms of both ELO simulation, 6.855 wins below projection, and league history. The Nuggets tied for the third worst record of all time for an 82-game season. And we do have win projections for the ELO and the four factors model for the Nuggets. And it's important to note that in the, the ELO simulation, the Nuggets had no simulated playoff appearances and therefore no division, conference, or league titles. This is, again, unsurprising. When you are simulated just under 18 wins uh, in an 82-game season, that record is not good enough to make the playoffs. That's just the reality.
So getting to the numbers for the Nuggets here, ELO simulated wins 17.855, again, just under 18. Um, Four factors predicted wins 8.496, basically 8.5. Actual wins were 11. The ELO residual uh, difference between actual and simulated wins, a negative 6.855. So if we're looking at Elo, the Nuggets underachieved even they were even though they were only given a 17.855 win projection in the first place. Looking at the four factors residual though, they actually overachieved by 2.504 wins, basically two and a half wins above expectation there. So Nuggets fans, we talked about in an earlier episode, that season was incredible. Lee bad as Snoop Dogg liked to say. But if you want to take anything that's positive out of this, it's that they overperformed expectation when you look solely at the four factors model. 11 actual wins to 8.5 actual wins. And had the four factors model been positive perfect, 100% accurate, you would have been looking at the worst NBA season, 82-game uh, season of all time, and not just the third worst of all time. Getting to specific metrics for four factors, again, Nuggets fans, this ain't going to be good. I'm just going to keep that real for you. Nuggets rank well below average and next to lowest 28th in the NBA in effective field goal percentage, which was .44. Nuggets also fall below average at 21st highest in turnover percentage, 0.151. That's right at the third quartile, and high is where you do not want to be when we're talking about turnovers. And offensive rebound percentage ranks 20th in the NBA, 0.300. That's below average. And by contrast, the Nuggets are tied for the ninth highest free throw to field goal rate, which is 0.259, just below the third quartile. And the Nuggets' performance in opposing effective field goal percentage parallels that of their own effective field goal percentage, 27th lowest, 0.506. That's close to the league maximum of 0.508. Doesn't differ significantly from that uh, league worst in this case at all. Again, you don't want, when we're talking about opposing effective field goal percentage, we're talking about your opponents making good quality shots. So that's... um, three-pointers, and that's value twos, like the layups and the dunks. You don't want to see that, obviously. Um, Opposing turnover percentage, 15th highest at .143. That's essentially league average. It falls actually right on the median, which is .143. In terms of defensive rebounding percentage, 25th highest, again, well below average. And 28th, Next to highest, that is worst in opposing effective opposing excuse me free throw to field goal rate, and that is point two eight five. And again, you don't want your opponent's free throw to field goal rate to be high. That means they're getting to the line a lot and they're making free throws a lot. That's not good. So the Nuggets proved weak in most of the four factors metrics, and the underperformance with that in mind is really not surprising. The surprise, if there is one, is that they were two and a half wins above expectation when we look at four factors only. It's not surprising at all that they had a historically bad season. 
And the only metric for which the Nuggets performed better than league average is free throw to field goal rate, which was where they were tied for ninth, 0.259. Remember, though, that free throws were our lowest weighted component in the model at 0.051, about 5%. Explained about 5% of the model. And remember, too, that free throws for field goal attempts, although we left it in, did not emerge as a significant predictor in the model, if you remember that from the last episode. And the Nuggets performed essentially at league average for opposing turnover percentage, 15th highest, 0.143, but that could not quell the underperformance either. It's not enough to overcome all of those other metrics where they finished into the 20s. And so the Nuggets were below average in both own and opposing shooting. And recall that in our model, shooting had a weight of 0.47. So 47% of the model explained by shooting factors. Um, Also well below average in rebounding, about 11% of the model explained by rebounding factors. So Nuggets were better than average in free throw to field goal rate, average in opposing turnover percentage, but below average, actually, in the opposite categories of both metrics. So the poor performance in uh, free throw to field, opposing free throw to field goal rate makes up for the good perf- performance in uh, own opposing in own free throw to field goal rate. But um, they actually finished next to worst in the league in opposing free throw to field goal rate. 21st in their own turnover percentage. So it doesn't, it won't overcome the, you're going to be bad, essentially, if that's the case. If you don't have both sides of the equation, offensive and defense, the Nuggets clearly didn't, okay? They didn't simply did not perform well enough in any one factor to negate poor performance in the other factors. The shooting factors are particularly problematic because of the high weight assessed by the model. And the Nuggets, unlike the Bulls, couldn't make up for poor shooting in the other areas because they only had one metric above average, which was free throws per field goal attempted. And again, that explains only about 5% of the model. So the Nuggets' drastic underperformance makes statistical sense. Um, Again, sorry to those of you who might be fans of the Nuggets, but that's just the reality according to the data. Getting to some concluding remarks on this season... So the Bulls and the Spurs proved successful by different metrics and in very different ways. The Bulls were expected to be dominant, okay? Now, according to ELO, they were expected to win 3,932 of 10,000 projected championships. It's about 39.3% of the time, which at face value might not sound like much, okay? But remember that that's more than 1,000 more projections, or if you want to look at percentage, greater than 10% more projections than any other team. Still, the Bulls did not rank first in the NBA in any of Oliver's four factors. They ranked second in offensive rebound percentage, likely thanks in large part to Dennis Rodman. And it's also noteworthy that the Bulls' effective field goal percentage and free throw to field goal rate ranked below average, okay? But the Bulls ranked in the top 10 in the league in every single defensive category except opposing turnover percentage, where they ranked a respectable 11th. The Bulls also protected the basketball very well, ranking 4th in the league in turnover percentage. 
And it's also important to note here that although Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen are often remembered for scoring prowess, both also made the NBA all-defensive team in 1998. Rodman's rebounding on both ends is also notable, as he led the team to second and eighth respectively in offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. Rodman also led the league in total individual rebounds with 1,201 and in rebounds per game with 15.0. Now, while the Bulls performed as expected according to ELO, we certainly cannot negate their NBA championship. Their victory supports Dean Oliver's contention that if a team is deficient in one area of the four factors, they can make up for it in other areas. The Bulls were notably deficient in effective field goal percentage, which was the highest weighted offensive factor in both Oliver's model and our equivalent model. And yet they played top 10 defense and were able to win an NBA championship, which gives credibility to the basketball version of Bear Bryant's classic quote, offense sells tickets, but defense wins championships. Now, moving on to conclusions on the Spurs, Unlike the Bulls, the Spurs were not expected to be an elite team. They were projected to the playoffs in 9,500 of 10,000 simulations, but we have to remember that over half the league made the playoffs in 97-98. That was 16 out of 29 teams. So making the playoffs not that big of a deal at that point in time, and to an extent now as well, a 500 record is basically a coin flip for making the playoffs. And with that in mind, ELO projected only 42.699 wins for the Spurs, which is barely above 500. However, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Spurs dramatically exceeded that expectation. 56 wins. 56. So in contrast to the Bulls, the Spurs performed well in both the offensive and the defensive components of effective field goal percentage, which was the highest weighted factor. Ninth in the NBA in offensive, convincing first in the NBA in opposing effective field goal percentage. Spurs proved very weak in both own and opposing turnover percentage, finishing 25th and 29th, which was last, respectively. Yet they still overperformed ELO expectation by over 13 wins. Again, um, per Dean Oliver and uh, additionally proven by us, more than one way to win in the NBA. Spurs made up for the poor turnover performance, which was the second highest weighted metric, by performing well above average in both components of effective field goal percentage, which was the first highest weighted metric. And the opposing effective field goal percentage is especially noteworthy because they finished first in the league there by such a large margin. Now, looking at the ultimate result for the Spurs, although they lost to the Utah Jazz in the quarterfinals, that shouldn't diminish their success. Okay, Utah was second only to the Bulls in ELO projected NBA championships, 2,857, about 28.6% of the simulations, and ultimately met the Bulls in the NBA Finals. And the Spurs' overperformance this season could be seen as the impetus for later success. Since the Bulls broke up after 1998, this could also be a changing of the guards. And the Spurs, remember, followed this season with an NBA championship campaign in 1998-99. Tim Duncan actually won Rookie of the Year in 97-98 and soon became a franchise cornerstone. And the Spurs would go on to win four championships with Duncan, most recently in 2013-14. 
And that championship team by the Spurs in 13-14 actually had the same regular season record at 62-20 and as the Bulls' 1997-98 championship team. So we've sort of come full circle there with the career of Tim Duncan and the genesis of that Spurs team. Now, unlike the Bulls and the Spurs, Denver Nuggets could not make up for deficiencies in any of the four factors. Their best factor was free throw to field goal rate, where they ranked ninth, but this was not enough to prevent the third worst 82-game record of all time at 11-71. and The two reasons, first, free throws per field goal attempted has the lowest weight in our model at .051, about 5% explained by that. Second, the Nuggets opposing free throw to field goal attempt ranks 28th and second to last in the NBA, so the weak performance in the defensive category cancels out the strong performance in the offensive category. Now, again, Nuggets fans, if you want to take anything positive from this year, it's that despite underachieving per the ELO simulation, the Nuggets overachieved when looking only at the four factors model, projected 8.496 wins. That projection is unsurprising considering their performance in all of the four factors. But again, if there's any positive for Nuggets fans to take away from this, it's that the actual win total was not that low. It was 11 rather than 8.5 wins. Had you gotten 8 eight or 9 wins, you'd be talking about, rather than being the third worst season of all, all time, you'd be looking at the first. Okay, so that's, if you want to take any kind of positive about that, Nuggets fans, that's it. Overall, the relationship between the ELO simulation and the four factors projection is very strong. We had a correlation of 0.937. Again, remember that's measured negative 1 to 1 with positive 1 being a positive perfect. But we don't quite have a positive perfect here. We do have a strong positive correlation. But um, again, we look particularly at the nuggets. It's not quite perfect because we had the... um, ELO overestimation of Nuggets wins, and we had the four factors underestimation of Nuggets wins. Uh, Getting to the end here, our analysis confirms Oliver's notion that teams can achieve success by excelling in different metrics, but they have to be proficient enough in those metrics to get there. For example, the Spurs dominated in opposing effective field goal percentage, whereas the Bulls excelled in rebounding. We also see the evidence that, again, defense wins championships. Both the 97-98 champion Bulls and the 98-99 champion Spurs ranked in the top 10 in three of the defensive components of four factors. And the San Antonio season may spur, pun intended, future research. Do teams who overachieve their ELO simulated win total in one season have greater success in subsequent seasons? We saw the Spurs win the championship in 98-98-99. That was the season after this. Can we expect similar outcomes for overachieving teams in other seasons? Now, that would be a much more comprehensive project, but we're going to look at other seasons. So we may be able to formulate some semblance of an answer to that as we move on with this podcast and look at other seasons. And that could be an interesting catalyst in the evolution of NBA analysis. With that, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you for listening. I'm Josh Lowe, and this is NBA Retrospective.